But, you know, if you've, if you've been here the last few months or, or you've been following us on Facebook, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. i got to tell you, I think that's pointing. What is our goal? What, what, what did we say God said 2023 was for us? A year of a year of victory. Well, you can't have victory unless you're ready for the war, right? Unless you're ready for the battle. So I think this is the perfect way to come in uh, to 2023 is talking about spiritual warfare. And today, we're going to get to talk a little bit more about it. And you're going to see me. I'm going to get really excited. I got to tell you, yesterday when I preached this message, nobody was here. Nobody got saved. But I thought it was really good. So, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, that's kind of my process. I like to come in and, and uh, I like to just, just speak the word of God uh, out ahead of time. So what I can promise you about today is a couple of things. You're going to get a ton, a ton of scripture today. Because i got to tell you, the scripture stands by itself. And I truly believe that. And, and so uh, you're going to get a ton of scripture. We're going to have a lot up here on, on our, our screen. I would encourage you, if you have your Bible, if you don't bring your Bible, let me... Let me just, this is my plea, bring your Bible. I don't care what, what translation you read. Even according to my Sunday school class, they might tell you something different. But I, I don't care what, what you read. Bring your Bible. It's good, it's good for us there. So uh, the title of this message is called Marching Orders. And I think marching orders are extremely important when we get ready for battle. Don't you all? It's one thing to be equipped. Pastor Aaron has taught us the last few months how to be equipped. He's talked about the shield of faith, right? He's talked about the helmet of salvation. He's talked about the sword of the spirit, or the, sword, the word of the sword, right? We've talked about all of these things. But now we've got to know that we have all the weapons. What are we going to do with them? Because let me tell you, it's like having a brand new car. If you don't know how to drive it, all it does is sit in the garage, right? We don't want you to sit in the garage today. We don't want you to have all your weapons laid out and not know where to go. So we're going to talk about that. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation where everybody else knows what you should do? Everybody else knows what you should do. I think back to the story of Job. Now, Job had a little bit of roughness going on in his life, wouldn't you say? He's had a rough time. He's got three really good friends and an even better wife in this story. I mean... His friends thought they knew exactly what was best for Job. So much that they proceeded to tell him three separate times what he should do. Right? They are giving him all kinds of advice in his calamity. Job is, has suffered great loss. All of these things are happening. His friends are giving him terrible advice. And the one person that Job should count on, his wife, famously in Job 2, 8, and 10, gives him this advice. Curse God and die. Yeah. Uh, everybody else has that whole different thing. What do we see Job reach out and do? He reaches out to God and says, what is going on? Well, i got to tell you, I can't imagine getting ready for a battle, getting ready to go to war, and there being all kinds of division. Now, I, I, a lot of you know I'm kind of a history buff. I love history. And I want to take you back to a story in history. And uh, uh, for a lot of you, this will be near and dear. In World War II, the, uh, the Americans, the Allied forces, decided that they needed to have a foray into Europe. Now, a lot of you might not know, they actually went into Africa first. And they went in all kinds of different ways, and it went poorly. 
it actually went fairly poorly. So the Allied forces decided that they needed to take Europe. And so they decided to invade in this one beach, the beach at Normandy. Now I want to give you some thoughts here. What if each one of the Allied forces had decided to go to a different beach or a different place? Would history be the same? What if each boat that arrived at that beach to drop their troops off, each troop had a different idea of what to do? What if they didn't have a single mind? But the reason they had victory that day, the reason we celebrate D-Day, is because there was a single purpose driven by general, a general who said, we're going to take this beach. Because they had the forethought, they had the forevision, if you will, to be able to see that the path to Europe, the path to defeating the Nazi, was straight up through that beach. And if they could take that beach, they knew they could take all of the rest of Europe and defeat the Nazis. That's how important a, a plan is. That's how important marching orders are. It is important, church, that we have a single mind of where we're going at that time. So, we've been talking all about the getting ready part. Now we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the plan and how we get it. So, I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles today. This scripture should be getting really familiar to you. Because before we have a battle plan, we've got to know why we're going to battle, right? We need to know why we're going to battle. We need to know how and why we need victory. So we're going to turn to Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12 this morning. I hope you guys know this. I really do. This is, this is my favorite. If I tell you guys the truth, this is the very first sermon I ever preached at 15 years old. I, this is the very first one I ever preached. So this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I preached it really badly, probably. Uh, I actually, and those of you who know, I love props. I love all of that type of stuff. Um, I, ha- I actually had my dad make me a wooden sword and a shield, uh, a wooden shield. I had a guy dress up in a Roman sword. And I actually threw darts at him, which was not planned. He did not know that. He was very unhappy at the end of service. But, uh, so this is a near and dear uh, word to my heart. So let's read, let's, let's read God's word. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against the flesh and blood enemies, but against evil and rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now guys, We've equipped you. We've told you what the weapons of your warfare are today. We've already given you all of that. Now we've told you how they work, how to use them. You are ready for battle. You are ready to leave basic training. Right? Now it's time we get our orders. Now it's time to leave camp. It's time to be ready this morning. And it's easy to think we know how to act. It's easy after we get equipped to think that we know where to go and what to do, isn't it? But if we're all moving in different directions, where's the victory for 2023? This week, we're just going to focus on how, where, and what we do with our marching orders this morning. So, I'll tell you what, let's, let's pray. Let's pray this morning. Father, I just thank you for this time that you've given us, God, to hear your word, Lord. I pray that our hearts would be soft this morning, God. I pray these words wouldn't be my own, Lord, but they would be yours. Lord, that they would be 
true and piercing to our hearts this morning, God. Lord, that they would speak directly to us today. And I love you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, well, we've read our theme verse for this. Now I'm going to ask you to turn back, stay in Ephesians, same place, 6 verses 18. We have the most simple, the most simple this morning of all of our directions. It says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Well, i got to tell you, There's a lot actually in this. And we're going to have a lot more scripture here today. But what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Because that's usually the question everybody asks when they they look at this. And and if I were to pull you all today, you would have about ten different answers. Okay? And and so uh, many of us, when we hear this, we automatically go directly to tongues. And I will tell you that tongues is part of it. But it's not the whole thing. If you were with us a few months ago when we did Holy Spirit 101, right, you all heard that straight up that there is so much more than just speaking in tongues. It's part of it, and and we're not discounting that. But praying in the Spirit, we're going to go into what that means today. What does that actually mean? What do we get from that? What's the importance of that? And this is is the part of the erection of Ephesians that's integral to spiritual warfare. Because if you have all your weapons, but you don't have the heart of God, you won't know. We read in Corinthians, Paul tells us that there's a correct time to this, to speak in in tongues, and there's a time not to, right? So some of that gets a little confusing for us. That's why we want to talk about what really praying in the Spirit is today. And did he contradict himself? No. What he's telling us is where we're to be connected in prayer. But where we're to be connected. Often when we pray, we get caught up in what we think should happen. You've heard me speak, some of you, before, and we view God in our prayers as a genie in a bottle. And if I rub that bottle and I tell him exactly what I want, I get my wish. That's not prayer in the Spirit. That's not prayer at all. We tell God what should be happening, we think, rather than God is telling us what is happening. So what if, back to our beach at Normandy, If every soldier told the general what they thought they should do and went and did that versus doing what the general told them, would we have won? We wouldn't have won. We wouldn't have won at all. This might be a hard one for some of you. If you're in looking at Philippians with us uh, in Sunday school, I would encourage you to come. But I want to ask you something. Are we a slave of Christ, as Paul tells us in Philippians? Or is God a slave of us? That's a, harsh, that's a harsh verbiage right there, isn't it? How many of you ever thought of that? And when we don't follow God in our prayer, when we're not being led by the Spirit, i got to tell you, that's what we're treating God as. We're treating Him as subject to us, other than us being subject to Him. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? I'm going to take you back to Scripture, because I said Scripture speaks for itself. We're going to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. 
And it's, it's a long scripture, but I want you to follow along. There's a lot here. It says, Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would have not crucified our glorious Lord. Apparently they didn't get the marching orders, did they? They weren't quite connected. That is what the scripture means when they say, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his... For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not as the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things of God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But the people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. Was a mouthful, wasn't it? But I tell you what, it is the crux of where we're going to go today. If we want to know how to pray in the Spirit at all times, we got to know what does that mean? What does it mean? What is the Spirit? So we have to we have to kind of quantify a few things here. Let me tell you what that what breaking it down here really simply. When we pray and or live in the Spirit, we get the heart of God and the mind of God. Is that not exactly what the Scripture just declared? You get privy to the battle plan that was given from the start of time. It didn't change. See, Satan, he's always changing his battle plan. He's always looking for a new way to go in. The Bible says that he roars, he goes about like a roaring lion, looking. That means that tells you he's constantly having to change his plan. It says right here that God gave his plan from the very get-go, and it hasn't changed yet. Well, that's a good stuff, isn't it? When we gain the voice of God, when we begin to be connected to his thoughts and to the mysteries of his, we can shut down all the other voices, Job's friends, Job's wife, and we can concentrate on his will. And there's a picture of this for us in Scripture that comes from Jesus while he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is, this is a... a, a a, a true picture. And I'm going to paraphrase. I know I've probably got it in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the notes, Andy. We don't have to show the scripture. but So Jesus has taken the, the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, it's, it's his last moments with them. And he speaks some really poignant words there. Um, and, and he says, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He's burdened. He is heavy with what God has revealed to him. And it says he, 
My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Because he's clued in to the father. He's clued in to the prayer. His life is being led in the spirit. And then he returned to his disciples and he says, Couldn't you even watch with me for one hour? And this is what he tells them. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And then he finally says one more time, he says, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. He had to plan, didn't he? i got to be honest with you. I, I believe in Jesus' humanity. There was no way under God's green earth that he wanted to go and put nails through his hands. I don't even want to put a splinter in my finger. Those of you who have worked with me know that. Uh, and yet, here Jesus is speaking so heavily because he understood God's plan and what that sacrifice would mean. He understood that his ultimate death meant salvation for every one of you out there if you so grabbed hold and chose. He understood that there was greater meaning behind what he was about to do. He was able to push out the voices of his disciples. Just a few hours before, as he sat at the table with them, his disciples said, Lord, you're not going to die. You're going to take Rome. You, you've got to hear our plan. You're going to beat those filthy Romans up, and you're going to do exactly what we want you to do. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked them for not knowing the Father's plan. He was able to push out because he was connected in the Spirit, because he was living his life in the Holy Spirit, in God's presence, he was able to push out all those other voices. It's easy to get people to get your boat floated, isn't it? To make you think you should do exactly what they want you to do. And Jesus said, no, no, because I know what the Father wants. And we're led in prayer and in life by the Holy Spirit. We can stay laser focused on God's plan and not those other conflicting voices. That's, there's peace in that. There's great peace in that. Well, I want to talk a little bit about praying in the Spirit and how it prepares us for spiritual war. What does that mean? Praying in the Spirit prepares you for spiritual war. Just because you're equipped does not mean you're ready to go. Well, let me give you a few lists of things. I've kind of got a list of, of what praying in the Spirit and living in the Spirit does for us. It gives us a power source. The Holy Spirit is our power source. I love that. I love that. John 7, 38 and 39, I want you to hear this. This is Jesus' words. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. So is Jesus for everyone? Amen. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Jesus declares that life flows very much from the Spirit right here. Just like a river. He's, that's what he's comparing it to, a spring. It would bring life and it would bring life more abundantly. Isaiah 12 and 3 says, with joy, this is Isaiah, hundreds of years before 
Jesus, before the promise of the Holy Spirit, says, with joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. How many of you have been really tired? How many of you have been really tired? You've been thirsty, and you've, I'm, I'm talking physically, like, I've got to be honest with you, when I was a wrestler, right, and if you're a wrestler, you know you deny yourself water, because that's the easiest way to take off weight, right? What happens when you get that water? When you finally get it, it's almost like it's renewing. It's almost like a refresh piece, and you're just ready to go again, right? And that's exactly what Jesus is saying His Spirit does for us. It renews us, strengthens us, lifts us up. We need to drink deeply. We need to drink deeply. When we accept that baptism, church, of the Holy Spirit, we begin to see the fullness. We begin to see the plan. But we get the fullness of life, which would indicate that life is not full without his spirit. How many of you know that? Without God's Holy Spirit, i got to tell you, you're not getting the full picture. You're not getting the full picture. Well, what else do we get? We gain peace during the battle when we're in the spirit. How many have ever been in a fight? Or two? Yeah, I think back to my wrestling days. I've been in a fight or two in my life, but I'm not. How many of those are one? I don't know. But I remember wrestling, and I got to tell you guys, I was the guy. Man, I was amped up. I was jumping around, and and I and I got to be honest, because there was no peace. I was like, this dude is going to tear my head off. You know, I was usually the smallest guy out there on, on there, and I'm thinking, oh man. But I remember my state qualifier, um, the number one ranked guy in the state who wrestled one weight class above me. And I would watch him. And it was just peace. There was just peace in him. He was assured. He knew that he was the best in the state. He knew. He had a plan walking in there. Me, I didn't have, I, I, I had one plan. Don't get killed. <laughs> that was my plan. Do not let that guy rip my head off. Right? This guy had a plan from the get-go. Period by period, situation by situation, and he was steady in that moment. Philippians 4, 7 says this, Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Mm. I think back again at a time when I was extremely angry with someone very close to me. I was very, very angry. And I got to tell you, the last thing I felt God telling me, well, I, I, I'll tell you what he told me. I, I was in Waterloo on a Thursday night when we used to open the church up for prayer. I was all by myself. And I felt prompted to pray for this person. And I said, God, you are kidding me. No, thank you. And I got to tell you, my spirit just become burdened and heavy. And I was trying everything else. I'm praying, you know, for this and that. And God kept saying, that is not what I want you to pray for right now. That is not your place. I said, God, this person has wronged me and hurt me so badly that I don't want to pray for them. I don't want to direct the weapons of my warfare for this person. I didn't want to intercede for this person. That's what he was actually asking me to do, was intercede for this person. And I was so hurt, and I was so angry. And God said, I want you. And he just kept saying, Kelly, I want you. 
And I, the more he said, I want you, the more I wanted to backpedal out the back door. But I had made a commitment to the church. I'd be there for one hour and 30 minutes every Thursday night, keeping the doors open. And about 45 minutes into it, I just broke. And this peace began to wash over me. This peace that comes from his spirit, being led by his spirit, following his plan, doing exactly where he was sending me. But you know what was strange about all of that? Not only did I get peace, but that anger released. And instead of love, replaced that anger and that hurt. Mm. How many times have you had to make a tough decision? And you begin to pray about it. And you begin to pray in his spirit. And you say, God, not your will, but my, not my will, but your will be done. And his peace comes. I'd say there's crazy stuff God's asked us to do. Move to Minnesota? Nobody wants to live in Minnesota, trust me. All they have there is their 10,000 lakes. And don't buy into the lie that they're lakes. They're all a bunch of ponds and mud puddles. That's about it. But as we begin to seek out God's spirit, when we begin to say, God, your will, not ours, peace began to come. Peace began to move in there. There's always been this promise of peace when it comes to the Savior. We're going to hear a lot from Isaiah today. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. This is one we read about a month ago, but it's very pointless. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The compassionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Jesus declares the promise of peace in Jesus. And when we know that Paul talks about the spirit of Christ, those promises flow right along with it, right? He's directing us. Right there, when we're in his life, when we're in his spirit, when we're praying into his will, there's what? There's peace. I like this one. My wife will like this one. We receive direction when we live by the spirit. Direction. Anybody ever like to just, like, just get in their car and they just like, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going to show up. I'll, I'm going to get to the place they tell me, but I'll get there someday. I do not care for that. I like to have directions. In my family, when we go on a trip, Heidi sits there in the passenger seat, and she, I don't think. I'm just going to be really honest with you. I do not think. I have two jobs in there. Keep it between the ditches, and don't get picked up for speeding. Probably thirdly, do whatever she tells me to do. Right? It takes all the release off of me because I'm getting fed the directions the whole time. I'm getting fed direction. All throughout the New Testament, guys, we see the disciples seek out the Holy Spirit for direction in their life. Just a couple of examples for you. Paul's, Paul's life was spared multiple times because he'd sought out the direction of the Holy Spirit on where he should go and what he should do. Because he knew that the Holy Spirit wouldn't lead him wrong in his direction. Peter seeks out the, the Spirit of God when he's looking to whether or not the good news was for us Gentiles. 
Well, I'll tell you, good thing he followed up on that, right? I'm sure glad he did. And the list goes on and on and on about how many times the, the, the disciples and the apostles began to seek out the Spirit of God for their direction, and they provided it. They were so comfortable with, with, with seeking the Holy Spirit's direction that it was not even a thought not to. They were always looking for his direction because they knew that they couldn't be led wrong without it. The Holy Spirit, guys, he will provide direction for you from the smallest to the largest of your decisions if you allow him in. If you allow him in. James 1 and 5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Man, all you got to do is ask. And he'll provide the direction. You don't have to choose. You don't have to decide how to win the battle other than to give it to the Spirit of God. Isaiah 48 and 17 says this. It says, this is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel... This is what the Lord says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. Just to follow that up, Psalms 37, 23 and 24 says, The Lord directs the step of the, of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fail, for the Lord holds them by the hand. I'm just going to be really truthful with you guys. I told this to the class this morning. You might have a bad day. Living in God's presence does not promise you that you're not going to stumble along the way, have a bad day. That things aren't going to happen. I want you to think about Jesus. It says, Jesus, Paul talks a little bit later on, I believe it's in Hebrews, that Jesus understood everything that we went through. He understood loss. His earthly father passed. He understood pain. He understood financial hardship. His dad wasn't exactly a rich dude, if you all remember right. Joseph was just a plain carpenter. As Steve, you and I have talked about carpenters and their planning for the future, right? That's right. I won't say that. I'll let you say that. Jesus understood every ounce of that. He understands a bad day. He understands that. And he promises still that you won't fall. You'll stumble. You'll have a bad day. You will. If you spend any time on this earth, you're going to face adversity. You're going to face, pardon the vernacular, a crappy day. Or two. Maybe even a full week of it. But he promises that he'll hold you by the hand. That is his promise when we live in his spirit. We also can experience rest. In the Holy Spirit, we can experience rest during the battle. Now that almost sounds contradictory, doesn't it? It almost sounds like a contradiction. I can only refer it back to, back to wrestling. I got to tell you, first period, I was usually pretty good. I was really hoping for a pin by the end of that one. 
Either I pinned them or they pinned me, one of the two, right? Period two, okay, I might hang in there. And by period three, all I could think about was I just want to lay down on my back and rest. If you're not a wrestler, don't lay down on your back and rest in the third period. Not a good idea. We can become so tired during the battle and not know where to turn. Sometimes it just feels like it just continues to rage on and on and on and on. And God says, let me be your rest. Isaiah 28 11 and 12 says, so no, God will have to speak to his people through foreign oppressors who speak a strange language. God has told his people, here is a place of rest. Let the weary rest here. This is a place of quiet rest. But get this, this is what the people wouldn't listen. It says, but they would not listen. God's provided the rest since the beginning. It's always there for us. It's always in there. I think back to Sunday's. I don't know how many of you, uh, how your Sundays are, but my Sundays, they take everything out of me. They t- I know a lot of you think I just go on coffee all day long. That's not true. Uh, by the time I get here and by the time I'm done, I'm wiped out. I've taught twice today. I've been spiritually invested in people. I've worshiped. And i got to tell you, though, I can stand up here right now and tell you I'm in rest because I'm not in control. I'm not having to make this up for myself. I can tell you, sometimes we look at prayer and we go to prayer, and I think that's so poignant. We just get so exhausted. I don't know what else to say, God. I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to, I don't know what the right word. i got to tell you, when that point comes to me, it's just almost like the Spirit just speaks to my heart and it begins to say, let me tell you what to say. Ah, God and my Spirit connecting. When I'm connected, there's rest and there's peace in that experience. Because I don't have to bear the burden. I don't have to bear it at all. Many times when we're exhausted and we're confused by all the misdirection of the world, and there's a lot of it out there, guys. Kids, I'm sorry for you that are out there today. Young people, I am so sorry because you are getting bombarded from every direction. But let me assure you of this, even you adults, that you can rest in him just by getting alone and listening and speaking with him. So when we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, it sharpens our senses because we're rested i got to tell you, when I used to wrestle, by the third period, my senses were not sharpened. Only one, only one sense, don't get killed. Right? That was it. Don't get killed. But it's the opposite when we rest in the Holy Spirit. We actually are sharpened. Our senses become sharpened because we begin to hear the voice of God. We begin to hear his living, breathing will for us right on the spot. And that's amazing. Well, our last little piece of this, Paul tells us to stay alert in our prayers. And I think there's a lot to this because when we're, when we're in the Spirit of God, guess what's happening? 
We get to know the heart of God. Isn't that what Second? Isn't that what First Corinthians said? It says God's speaking. We're getting to hear. He's revealing the mysteries of all of all since the beginning of time. But if we're not alert, what can happen? We can miss it. We can miss His will. How many of us know when we're left alone with our own desires and thoughts, we can wonder? What should I do next? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? But when we're connected to the Spirit of God, the next thing's being continually given. Even when we don't maybe like it, we can take rest in the fact that He's going to give us the next one. He's going to give us that next step. When we're in war, when we're in the battle, guys, let me tell you, there are some of you right now that are in this room that are in a battle. And if you're not in the battle right now, I'm going to assure you, you will be in a battle very soon. When, we, when we're there and we lose focus, that's when the enemy wins. I reference back to the scripture a little bit earlier. It says the, the Satan's doing what? He's going back and forth. Roaring around. He's looking. He's looking for the moment you let your guard down. He is looking for that weak moment for you to be able to jump in. For him to be able to jump in there and wreck God's plan. i got to tell you, though, he can't. He can't. But he can wreck us. He can take our focus away. And that's why we have to stay alert. Luke 21, Jesus tells us, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let the day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Dullness leads us in the wrong direction. It leads us to sin. It leads us to be led by our emotions. And finally, to our destruction. We have to stay alert when we're being led by the Spirit, when we pray in the Spirit, because that's when God's revealing the mysteries of His plan to us. He's setting us out on the battlefield. He's telling us where to go. Because if those soldiers, when they landed at Normandy, didn't know what the battle plan was, different story, isn't it? It's a totally different story. When we read God's word through with the leading of the Spirit, it becomes alive. It becomes, it becomes a directional source for us through His Spirit. We can live our lives led by the Spirit at all times. At all times, that's really what Paul's telling us there. It becomes a lifestyle. We get hung up on pray at all times. And Paul says, no, no. This is a lifestyle. This is what baptism of the Holy Spirit really is, church. It is a lifestyle. It is being, allowing the, the, the Spirit of God to come into our lives to lead and guide and direct us at all times. To give us rest, to give us peace, to give us direction, to give us strength. Are you getting the picture? It's an unfulfilled life. You are unprepared for battle without the Holy Spirit in your life. You are totally left clueless without him. Well, 
I'm going to conclude just once compared to some other pastors. <laughs> as we joked about the other day. So I want to sum it up for you guys. When we are led by the Spirit, we are led by God himself. We're in his will. The Holy Spirit, he prepares us for battle. He gives us the plan. He gives us a source of life. He gives us peace during the battle. Some of you are in a battle right now and you need some peace. I'm telling you, that peace is right there. He gives us direction. And we can experience rest when we're led by the Spirit. And if we stay alert, I'm telling you, if you stay alert, victory is yours. Come on, victory is yours. Come on, that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. Well, I tell you, we're going to... I'm going to give you a couple opportunities here today. And I think they're important opportunities. So I'm going to ask our prayer and altar team to come down here. Because I think these are really important. And, and I, can't, I can't stress to you how important these three, these three next things I'm going to talk about are. This is, this is an opportunity, I'm telling you right now, don't, don't miss out. Don't miss out today. So if you close your eyes and bow your head, nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking around. Maybe today you heard this message and you have never given your life over to Jesus Christ. You have tried to lead, lead it all on your own. You've tried to do it all on your own. And you have, you have failed. And you're, you're saying, I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to give everything within me. I'm tired of wrestling. I'm tired of struggling. And you say, I need a Savior today. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand if that's you today. If you say, I need a Savior today. Maybe this is the first time you've done it fallen away from him I don't know but if today you want to give your life over to the Savior I just encourage you to raise your hand I'm going to ask a second question a lot of you heard me talking about living in the spirit today and you, this, this is exactly what you're missing you're missing knowing the will of God, being having a direct connection to the Spirit of God where you can come and go and you can converse and you can hear and you can be given direction, rest, peace, strength and that's you today and you want that, that baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you want that infusion of God's Holy Spirit in your life I want you to raise your hand. I want His Holy Spirit above all else. I want to know His will. I want to know His heart. I want to know His mind today. And thirdly, if you are in a battle today and you need somebody to stand beside you today, I want you to raise your hand. Because I got guys up here. I got folks up here. They want to they want to agree with you. If, that, if one of those three things I've asked you today 
is you. I need you. I want you to come forward. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Let me tell you, every one of us have had to have that moment where we say, God, we just need you. I need your Holy Spirit. I need someone to stand beside me in the battle. I need just you, Father, into my life. If that's you today, I just want you to come up here and stand with one of these folks. And I want, they're going to agree with you in prayer this morning. I'm, I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to pray over each and every one of you. So we're, we're going to just, we're going to close our eyes. And we're just going to lift our, if you are, if you are one who has been filled with the Holy Spirit right now, if you know what I'm talking about today, I want you to stand up with me and I want you to raise your hands up to these people. Maybe you feel led even to, to lay a hand on one of them, and I want you to do that right now. So stand to your feet if that's you, and we're just going to pray. We're going to intercede for each and every one of these people. Like I said, if you feel led, come on down. Father, we just praise you this morning, God. Lord, we praise you for each one of these people, God, who have...